you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. If you haven't already, you want to put your phones on vibrate or off, whichever you choose to do. We thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness unto us, your children. Hallelujah. Glory, Jesus. Glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, Jesus. Glory, Jesus. Glory, Jesus. Hallelujah. The way the Lord reveals things to me and speaks to me and is oftentimes through visions and dreams and in prophecy. And actually in prep preparation for this meeting, I received a word or two for for you who have who are in attendance. Hallelujah. And one of them, I believe, is for you, Jessica. Hallelujah. 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 And the Lord would say unto you, my daughter, people have hurt you. And those people that have hurt you will come to you and ask for forgiveness. And everything the enemy stole will be given back to you sevenfold as a result of what wrong has been done, done behind closed doors says because he wants to restore you completely he says all pieces of your life will be put back together you will see the full picture you've been begging and crying out and laying before him fasting and wanting answers he says he's going to show you he's going to show you a full picture he says then the power the power of god is going to flow out of you so powerfully you will not be able to contain it without falling out yourself when you release it. You will learn to hold on and contain it, and you will not move out before him. And he says, just receive this impartation. And lift your hands. Of the new anointing he's placing upon your life. He just says, soak it up. Just receive it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So not only will they come and ask for forgiveness, you will release them by forgiving them as well. Oh, shit, it This will take you into higher heights in him, says the Lord. Oh, tonight talk about spiritual intimacy and 
So on the back side of your sheet, you'll find this little handout or outline covering, give you the scriptures we're going to cover. But before we start, I got stuff on top here. I got to let go and <laughs> out. There is a new man in the house. This is Holy Ghost talking. And his name is one new man. Anybody heard that term? No. One new man? No. Jessica? Ta Tammy? One new man. It's innocent in the word. Has to do with Jews and Gentile. Coming into one. The new blood covenant from God is the one new man. Oh, okay. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if any man, that means any man, anyone, who be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new create creature, but a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come and become new. Old things, all things have come and become new. That new creature is you. It's you and I. We are new creatures all together brand new. That was one of the first scriptures that I had to memorize when I became born again. I really understood what born again means. You know, we used to call it saved back in the day we were growing up and Baptist going back to church at Salem. We were just, we were just, we were saved. <laughs> but we, we didn't know anything about born again. So there's many people that are walking around that are saved that are not born again. They're not quite sure where they're where they're going to live eternity. And we, we say they have one foot in and one foot out. And you can't be in two places at the same time, right? So you're brand new. We're brand new in, in Christ Jesus. That means we got new eyes. We have new ears. We even have a new voice, a new mouth. We even speak differently. We say things differently. We have a new mind. And all of a sudden our gifts are turned on the gifts that operate through us the gifts of the holy spirit or those inborn gifts that we may have we flow on the anointing the power and we walk in the supernatural presence of god i i will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you i will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is Ezekiel 36 verses 26 and 27. That was in the NIV version of our Holy Bible. God wants to fill you with his spirit but this is not a one-time event. We need to be filled over and over again. Jessica just took a drink, didn't you? <laughs> daily, daily, you can, you can drink daily to receive his grace, his power, and his anointing to live as an overcomer. How else are we gonna be successful when we leave our doors at home and walk this walk and be a true Christian, warrior, saint for God? as an overcomer and to do the work he has for us to do to fulfill our purpose 
that one purpose that only you can fulfill that he put in you before the foundations of the earth, right? And then one morning, the Lord was ministering to me and I was ministering to him. It's mutual. He said, come through the door. And I said, okay. And I looked, because <laughs> he's always saying, look, and I'm looking and I don't see anything. But I'm, I am a seer. He called me a seer not too many uh, months ago. That's your phone. Phones on vibrate, please. <laughs> he said, you are in the spirit. And then he says, and then when he said that, that's when I saw the door open. Because I, I, um, I don't know about anybody else. I'm more, my spirit seems to be more alive and awake when I first wake up. That's why I don't jump out of the bed. I just, I just lay and see what God wants to say to me, especially when he wakes me up and it's not my normal time to get up. And so it was almost like when the door opened, I stepped through the door, but it, I didn't know. I know I didn't step through the door on my own. It felt like something or somebody was leading me through the door. And then I heard the Lord say, Christ is being, inform is being formed in, in you. And he says that you have the mind of Christ. Your mind is how you see in the spirit. And we always think that we see because we see with these, we see with these. And, then, and, we, and we do it. We see, but we see in the natural. We, do, we don't see in that dimension that we can't see. And then we, we talk about a veil being over our eyes so it protects us from seeing into that dimension. And, you know, with the, um, the fall of man, that's when that veil came over our eyes. But there is a way to see if the Holy Spirit allows us to see and opens up that area. But the way that you see, because you're not going to see with the natural eyes, so you can't get tripped up with natural eye seeing, you have to see from your mind's eye. Have, we heard, have you ever heard the term mind's eye? My mind's eye. That's your spiritual, that's where your spiritual eyes are. So real quick, you know, we're, we're spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. So that soul is a part of us too. And our mind, will and emotions is part of our brain, which is part of our soul. So when we can't separate our spirit from our soul, we need it to function and we'll have it even when this body is gone, the flesh of us, the fleshy part, the real spirits will always have a soul. That's who you are. That's your personality. That would make, that's your emotions. That's where you feel. That's, that's how you express yourself. Okay. So our mind's eye is where we see and experience the spirit realm visually but also in our hearing, right? Have anyone heard, you've heard things in the spirit? Hopefully nice things. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, depending on your experiences and how open you are to the spirit realm. And also, I, I think it's also how God has made you and what he's called you to do and to be.
for me, I've always clamored to or wanted to be a part of and embrace supernatural stuff. Spiritual things were real pretty natural for me. So I, yeah, I, I you know, heard angels. I talked to angels, talked to God, talked to Jesus, talked to Holy Spirit, <laughs> you know, heard, heard angelic music and all of that. So you, it's your ears, it's your spirit. That's my spirit that's experiencing and encountering the spiritual realm. So the only way that we can really uh, operate in the spirit is to have our spirit connect and encounter the spirit realm, embrace it. And we do that by learning and, you know, in practice. And that's why, uh, why we're here tonight too, is to kind of dive into that, to stretch ourselves. So your mind is how you see in the spirit. The eyes of your understanding is your mind. You know, there's a scripture in um, Ephesians about the eyes of my understanding, be enlightened. We receive information through our mind. And our mind is our brain. Our mind is our intellect. Our mind is our consciousness. That's how I'm aware of what, where I'm at and what I'm doing and can communicate with you guys through my consciousness so I'm awake. If I was unconscious, I would not be awake or aware of anything. Um, so the Holy Spirit began to encourage me more in this endeavor and encounter. And so I'm gonna share those things with you and hopefully they'll help you. You are always in the spirit because you are a spirit. We naturally live here and, we, and this is always number one for us. But if we begin to make switch and flip it and let being in the spirit be number one, we'll have more spiritual encounters and understand the spirit room better. So being in the spirit is being, especially God allowing us to be in the spirit. That's the right side. It's, a, it's an atmosphere. So being in the spirit is the atmosphere of heaven and we're in God's presence. So if you were in the spirit and you're in the demonic side, that wouldn't be so that wouldn't be so comfortable for you. And that's why we can pick up on things that are not comfortable or that are evil. Number two, in order to function there, you have to realize it's always supernatural. It's above the natural. It's a dimension that's much higher, much greater, much broader and vast, fast and speedy operating. That's why things happen in a flash. That's, that's, that's the spirit realm. It's supernatural. Number three, God says he reveals things to us through and to our spirit. He can't reveal it to us through our natural or fleshly nature. That's why the Bible says we worship God in spirit and in truth. Because we're in the spirit and he is, he is true. You can only take anything that's holy to, to, to God and be vulnerable. <laughs> Just, you know, letting him have his way as far as the dealings in your life and taking control of your life and, and loving, you, loving you and embracing you and, and accepting you. So number four, things are first created in the spirit 
then they're birthed in the natural. So they were there first. And that's where they come from. So when we pray, we pull things from, we pull it from the heavenlies. And five, you must learn to operate in both realms at the same time. That's a challenge. We operate in both of those places at the same time. I'm standing here, but I'm also in heavenly places in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. I got to remember that. I'm here and my feet are on this ground, but as I'm, on, I'm here on the earth realm, I know that because I'm there, all things are subject to me under my feet, that God has given me authority to rule and reign over as a king and priest. God wants to give us supernatural rest and peace in his presence. So if we remain in his presence, there's nothing to fear. You don't have to worry about anything. You rest in God and let him take care of things for you. Exodus 33, 14 says, God says, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. As long as you're in God's presence, you're, you will be at rest and will be at peace. I was going to go talk about Psalm 91, but I think I do a little bit later. But that's what we should all attain to be at all the time is, is to be in Psalm 91. Live out Psalm 91. That's the goal. And we'll talk about that. Okay. Any questions so far? Oh, Exodus. Let me go back up. 14, 30, 33, verse 14. Spiritual intimacy. So all that idea was on the top. That wasn't, I'm sorry, that wasn't the teaching. Okay. Just to let you know that that was totally separate from our, our class. Spiritual intimacy, unity in the spirit is knowing God and is the key to hearing God's voice and transformation. So, if we're not one with God, we can't be transformed into his likeness. Right? Let's look at the first scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, chapter 6, verse 17. And I'll read it from the Passion Translation. I'll give you time to find it in your Bible and whichever translation you prefer. So you can follow along and it will read differently. Verse 17, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17. But the one who joins himself to the Lord is mingled into one spirit with him. Now the word mingled means mixed together. So if we mix Kool-Aid with water, you got Kool-Aid. But the, and you can't take the water away from the Kool-Aid or the Kool-Aid out of the water. So the one who joins himself to the Lord, and that would be us, is mingled into one spirit with him. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him. 
got to get this screen here, is one with him in spirit. So the word there is united. That's the NIV version. So I did the passion. That was NIV. The next one I want to read is the amplified version. Same verse. But the one who is united and joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So we're seeing in each translation, the word joins, united, joined, and then we see one spirit with him in all three of those versions. The word join is the Greek verb kaleo, spelled K-A-L-L-A-O, which means to unite. It means to knit or weld together. You guys seen a welder, they, they weld things together that cannot come apart. You're using metal, you're using metal and heat and pressure. It also means to mingle, that same Greek verb, join, or to join together, to make two into one. First it was two and you can see separate distinction of the two, but then they become one and you can't tell which is what, because they're mingled together, they become one. Intimacy, spiritual intimacy, is becoming one with God. So before we go any further, some of my teaching will be like XXX rated to people who have ears that don't understand intimacy and, and uh, relationships and how that all works. So God's heart, which is the Holy Spirit, becomes one with our heart. So Holy Spirit becomes one with us. Our spirit becomes one with the Holy Spirit, which is our altar. Our spirit is our altar unto God. This is where God and man actually meet. It's in the spirit. Biblical unity is the unity of the Godhead. It is organic and it is alive. Organic means living. And it is, it is inseparable in nature. The oneness of all true believers is as mysterious and solid as the Trinity itself. It is where our interior reality does not resist the presence of God. You can't persist, you can't really resist God when he moves you. You know, the Bible tells us he has to come, he comes for you and he draws you to him. That's how we become Christians. We're drawn. And it's not a one-time drawing. He'll draw you until he gets you. He's pretty uh, persistent and long-suffering. He is a real person. We must have daily interaction with him. And we must have a conscious awareness of him. And he, that he is in you and will always be with you. So unity with the Lord is the highest and purest form of unity that a human being can be involved in. And, and this is uh, that place I was mentioning before about the Psalm 91 place. It's under the shadow of the Almighty. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide 
under the shadow of the Almighty. This place is full of benefits and the reality of God. And we'll talk about it a little further along here too. So the next scripture we're going to look up is uh, on your outline is John 17, verse 20 through 26. In, in this particular scripture, Jesus prays for us to be one with him and the Father. So he actually has a prayer. Verse 20. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together. This is Jew and Gentile as one. That's the one new man. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us, in us, so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them, so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. I like that, it's really nice. Verse 23, you live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. There's the word unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. And then verse 25, this is the NIV version of that verse. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So Jesus was one with the father. That was and, and when he walked on the earth because he was 100% man and he was 100% God. And so that shows you right there that he was one with him. The prophetic prophecy, the prophetic, is the heart of God to his people. It's why the devil fights the prophetic and the gifts flowing in the church and our understanding and our knowledge about the prophetic. It's actually God speaking into us, speaking to our hearts. We have been made one with the triune God through the blood of Jesus. Jesus comforts his disciples before his death. And this is the next uh, scripture reference, John 14. John 14, one through seven. He says, don't worry or surrender to your fear. In other words, don't let your heart be distressed or let not your heart flutter. Not let your heart skip a beat. For you've believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. My father's house has many dwelling places. It is where, it, it, if it were otherwise, 
I will tell you plainly because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. And when everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself so that you will be where I am. And the Greek word there for take is paralambano. Uh, paralambano. It means to take to, to take with one, a, a self or to join one's to, to a self, to join to one's self. It is the word used for a bridegroom coming to take his bride. He takes us as his bride through his death and resurrection. And his coming back can also refer to his coming or taking us to live as he comes to live within us. Verse four, and you already know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Master, we don't know where you're going. So how could you, how could we know the way? How can we know the way there? Jesus explained, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. To know me is to know my Father. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. So how, how do we become one in Christ? It's not how, it's really who. That is through Holy Spirit. We must receive him and we become one with him through prayer and our dedication of our life of worship. Remember I said our prayers, I mean, our, our spirit is the altar for worship and for communion with God. It's where God and man meet is in the spirit or in our spirit man. So John 14, verse 15 through 31, talks about Jesus prophesying the holy coming of the Holy Spirit. So he's sending the Holy Spirit in his place. But he says, he's got, it's going to be better that you receive him. It'll be better that I go. Verse 15, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another Savior the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. And he will never leave you. The world won't receive him because they can't see him or know him. But you will know him intimately because he will make his home in you and will live inside you. I promise that I will never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. Soon I will leave this world and they will see me no longer but you will see me because I will live again and you will come alive to me. So when that day comes, you will know that I am living in the Father and that you are one with me for I will be living in you. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by my Father and I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. This is why we talk about being like Jesus and being one in him. Verse 22, 
Then one of the disciples named Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, Lord, why is it you will only reveal your identity to us and not to everyone? Jesus replied, loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. So he wants to dwell inside of us because those who don't love me will not obey my words. The father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my father. I am telling you this while I am still with you. But when the father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name and he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. In verse 20, Jesus, he said, we backtrack, he is living in the father and that you are one with him because he is living in you. He is living in us. We become one with him. Has, can, is there any witnesses in the audience <laughs> that have experienced that? You know and you know her and you know her and know her that he, he is one with you, right? Amen. And that's usually what the, the naysayers will say. Well, who is this Jesus? How can you believe in a Jesus and somebody you don't even see? But we know that the Bible tells us we believe by faith. And the more you increase your faith and the more you go after him, the more you experience him and you know that he's really who he is. We talk about being in the presence of God. Um, whew, you can really walk and be in the presence of the God all, God all the time. Do you know what being in the presence of God really, really means? Any comments, thoughts? I I think being aware of the Holy Spirit within you. That's good. You're in the presence of God. Amen. You guys are here. You're present. So if you're in the presence of someone, that means that person is there. 